Welcome to the Career Happiness Podcast. My name is Soma Ghosh. I am the founder of a business called the Career Happiness Mentor. And within this podcast, we explore themes around career happiness, confidence, well-being, and so much more. Not only do I do one-to-one personalized episodes to really, really support you as a listener, but you will have the chance to listen to really, really amazing guests from all corners of not just world, but different industries. It's really, really important that you are not only happy in your career, but you make time to progress in a way that feels right for you. So if you want to have more energy in your career, change your career, find out more about how to potentially start a business or even help your teenager with careers advice, this is the podcast for you. Thanks so much. So, hello everyone. I have Marty with me here today. Hey, Marty, how are you? I'm doing great today, Sama. Good, good, good to hear. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast today. Um, honestly, I feel really, really excited to have this conversation with you. And same here. I've been following your work for quite some time. It's intriguing and it really makes me think a lot about the importance of, you know, well-being and happiness in a career. Same with you. I think um, the work that you do, it really, really inspires me as well. And obviously, as we've been following each other, we know a little bit about each other already. But it'd be great if you could kind of tell everyone today a little bit more about you, who you are and, and what you do. Right. That's always an interesting question. You know, I could go into the oh, I'm an you know, agile careerist, I'm a workplace futurist. But one of the places that I think is interesting about this question is, you know, how did I get into career agility and why does it matter? And um, I originally started out my career as a creative and worked at that for a while, worked as a designer and eventually got into marketing and got an MBA and got all the credentials to help me work in the tech companies, the tech sector that I thought was just thrilling. Um, So that's really how I got involved with this topic of agile and agility. All of the software developers I worked with were using these methodologies that I was not familiar with. And it's how they built software. And it's it's been around for many, many years. And at that time that I was working with the software developers, I thought, you know, uh, collaborating in the way that they did, getting feedback and making fine-tuned adjustments were just really things that I thought could be applied to the topic of careers. And I went on a massive research project um, and took five years really to research and write the book, Activate Your Agile Career. So that's that's a little bit about me and what I do. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Marty. That's really, really great. In terms of your career story, and you, you know, you mentioned the word creative there, and creativity for me is a huge part of what I do what I advocate with the young people that I work with, as well as the professional women. Can you just tell us a little bit more about your own kind of career story, what you were doing 
before you had your business and what kind of led you to start this journey that you're on right now with what you do? Yeah, so so right now I work in the career space, which as you and I know is a really big space, spans mm. from you know, interview prep to resumes to clarity coaching and things like that. And my focus in the career space is helping mid-career professionals translate their experience into a visible, in-demand portfolio of skills so they could get hired as well as advance in their career. So that's really what I'm doing now. And the, the, the part that creativity played in it, um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, is I worked as a creative early on. I knew from the time I was five that I was a creative being. The way that I looked at the world, the way that I looked at colors and shapes and um, I would I would stare at the grass and look, you know, open my eyes, look at how the sun comes through those blades of grass in the morning. And I just knew that I had a special view of the world and that it would translate into art and artistic endeavors. And so I became uh, a designer, a painter, and you know, got the, all the credentials in college to be a graphic designer. So that's really where I was able to express some of my creativity, although graphic design is really about the business of marketing. Um, and so the creativity piece was my launch pad into marketing, uh, where I managed brands for tech companies and then eventually got into becoming a workplace futurist as well as a career advisor. Really interesting, actually, what you mentioned there about graphic design and, and, and marketing. I, I hired a graphic designer not that long ago who has been like teaching me a lot more about marketing. So, yeah, it's quite quite an interesting perspective there because I think often people think when you become a graphic designer, it's going to go one way, but there's a lot more to it, isn't there? There's a lot of different ways that you can go about it. I was what was referred to as the practical designer. I understood. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm more on the form follows function kind of designer. And if it needed to have more white space to breathe, I went for the white space versus true expression. Um, so I was always a practical designer, but you can do so many different things with design and I have managed creative. So I've been on the other side of it too. And people are very different. They're very different with their ideas and how much time they need to come up with an idea or execute a design. And the one truism about design and creativity in general is if you're a project manager managing the creative process, it's very hard to project manage that the way you would some other projects because ideas ebb and flow and the, the ability to execute on a design or a creative idea can vary. And, and a designer will say, you know, I just need a little bit more time to process that and to let it percolate. Yeah, very interesting. One of the things that you've already mentioned there, Marty, is obviously your book, Activate Your Agile Career. And, you know, it's about adapting in your career and being prepared to have an agile mindset. 
And one of the things I see time and time again when giving careers advice to professional women and young people is this need to do everything all at once. So it'd be great to find out, you know, what tips you have about being agile in our careers and why do you think we are sometimes so impatient rather than thinking about the long game for our careers? I love that you said the long game. Dory Clark just wrote a book on that topic. And I love the long game because it's the balance of the long game with the short game. I'm not a golf player, but I do know that the the short game is extremely important in that sport. The important thing about an agility model is it gives you permission to go about things in an incremental way. One of the principles is A, B, test your career, which requires the ability to test and measure what it is that you're doing. Do I like this? Is this good? What kind of adjustments do I need? Is this the role? If I'm in marketing, do I need to be in data or do I need to be on the, the creative and branding piece of it? Or do I need to be on the branding and culture aspect of it? There's a lot of different ways that you you could take it. And when people want to do everything at once and they think, oh, this job has to do everything, my advice is to get in and start swimming. See how it feels and then start to make those adjustments. Now that's the short game, making those adjustments. However, a lot of adjustments along the way do lead to the accomplishment of the long game. To accomplish the long game, you have to see and notice what is going on around you in in terms of trends in your industry. Uh, we all know that the metaverse is is a really big deal. What does that mean? Is it is it blockchain or is it you know NFTs? You know, I'm using a lot of acronyms here, but there's a lot of or AI. And so, how does that affect you? Is really what's an important piece of playing a long game and also implementing and taking action in the short term. I'm an action person. I'm an action figure. I believe in it. I understand people who are impatient. In fact, impatient people often make very good clients. Interesting. Very interesting, Marty. What I was going to say is that, you know, when you were talking about the different types of industries that are growing, I thought of things like, you know, like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and things like that, which are kind of growing and expanding. But In terms of the agility that's happening in people's careers, I also think that we also need to think more about our creativity. And it's a theme that's been coming up with my clients quite a lot. And I know you have this creative background, you know, going back to the creativity a little bit. It'd be really interesting to kind of find out, you know, what you think we as a society can do to encourage others to see their own creativity in their careers Because I'm seeing many clients craving creativity. They want creativity, Marty, but they feel this guilt often for wanting more. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, I think that there's creativity in every profession. And I have to laugh a little bit because 
I was once talking to an accountant, you know, she said to me, well, Marty, I don't think they would appreciate my creativity in managing the books or that kind of thing. And I, I stopped her in her tracks and I said, how often do you have super challenging problems and you don't really know how to solve them and you have to extract ideas and patterns from different disciplines so that you can solve that particular problem. Mm. So that that's that's a, an expression of creativity because you're you're integrating two different disciplines. You're trying to figure out how does this um how does this overlap with this? So that's a type of creativity and then the other there's the other type of creativity that I knew that I was born with when I was a young child and that is this idea of color and shape and design and, and doing this creative expression. It could be music, dance, and that, I think sometimes we think that is the only place for creativity. However, I see it everywhere. And I do think that a lot of people can do things on the side creatively that will boost them in their regular profession. You might take dance on the side you might uh, be doing some kind of expressive yoga uh, forms that really heed, they, like, they appeal to your creativity. And what happens when you, I call these parallel pursuits in the career agility model. When you pursue creative interests on the side like that, you will find that the problems that you are solving in your work, say it's some kind of a data analysis, is going to look different the next day that you go into it after a session in painting or design or some, some sort of, you know, you hear it a lot in, in musicians. Um, you, you hear them really talking about the beat and the, in the, you know, the waves of inspiration that they feel as they write or listen to their music. It's interesting because, you, you know, you're saying about maybe pursuing something on the side. You obviously, you talk a lot about adapting with your career. Do you think that, you know, as we get older and as we're discovering ourselves more, that we need to adapt parts of creativity and have creative outlets? so that we feel happier at work. What do you think about that, Marty? Well, this goes to the core of what you study. And what I experience in listening to you is the happiness is at the core for your work. And it's also uh, one of my pillars in, the, um, in career agility. It's the optimization of creativity, growth, and happiness. And so you mentioned creativity and happiness in one um, sentence there. And I believe that when people are allowed and encouraged to express themselves creatively, I do believe that they experience a sort of happiness they may not have been exposed to before. I also, I, I can liken it to um, if you've never done any kind of meditation where you've done a lot of self-reflection and that kind of thing. That feeds into your creativity as well, because one of the core tenets of meditation is noticing. And so when you notice, I talk about the colors and the shapes, when you notice the activities and uh, creative expression that's happening around you, you're able to say, how does this work 
for me. And I might even ask you, you know, just as a, as a case study, let's just do this. What type of creative expression are you interested in? So, so do you have a, a go-to outlet? For me personally, I, it's interesting when you were mentioning about the meditation and stuff, because I, I do yoga, but I also, I used to perform when I was younger. I used to sing and dance. And I think now I'm trying to get more into creative outlets where I'm moving my body more. So exercise, yoga, walking, writing. So I do have a lot of creative outlets. But I think for me, when I talk about these creative outlets, because I come from a South Asian background, a lot of these were encouraged, but they're encouraged as hobbies. And this is the thing that I find with my clients. Oh, yeah, that's creative, but that's my hobby drama. You know, that's not what I would pursue as a career or it's not something that I would do. But I argue that nowadays what I'm seeing with business owners, Marty, is that people are pursuing those things on the side. They have their own cookery business or arts business, but they have a full-time job. I mean, I don't know if you see that within the kind of clients and the space that you work in as well. Yeah, so so back to the parallel pursuits. Parallel pursuits can take different forms. One of them that we've talked about is a hobby on the side, creative expression. Other parallel pursuits could be education, training. There's all kinds of things. But the, the purpose of a lot of parallel pursuits is to explore and, and really push yourself to an edge, maybe even make yourself a little uncomfortable at times to determine if there's something else that you eventually want to change lanes for. So I used to be a swimmer, uh, you know, not a very good one, but a competitive swimmer. And this idea of changing lanes, you know, if you're doing, you know, one, you know, type of swimming instruction or the, you know, the crawl stroke or the butterfly or whatever, maybe you want to study something else on the side and, and change those lanes. I mean, I think that the beauty of creative expression is I worked with a person at a marketing agency years ago, and she left the business to start a catering business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might say, oh, well, marketing agency, kind of creative. Well, one third of what we did was all technology integration. You know, mm-hmm. so you, you can say, okay, that's somewhat creative, but it's not like the person who's doing the user experience design, right? Yeah. There, it's, there's a lot of people that do the programming and um, the technology implementation and the research. Um, and yeah, she went and started a, a catering business, which is a form of creative expression, but she turned her hobby into a business. I'm sure once she turned it into a business, it wasn't the same. It was no longer a hobby. It probably became more like the marketing agency work, but it was something that she needed to do. Um, and then there was another guy I wrote about in my book. His first name is Ben, and he became a, a chocolatier. Uh, he, he, yeah, he invented uh, you know different types of chocolate, and he was doing it on the side. And I, I forget his core business. But the interesting thing about it was his side business, instead of making chocolate and marketing it in San Francisco, wherever he was at the time, he became the go-to place for people to learn how to make chocolate to express themselves, you know, an evening, something that you do with your friends. Um, And then you buy the supplies to make chocolate at home and you put in orange and blossoms and things like that. And 
I remember thinking, I bet you he never really thought that he was going to have a business around chocolate. But the fact that he entertained it gave him the permission. But what you're talking about is culture expectations. Like, yeah. oh, well, you need to be, you know, a doctor or a, a marketer or, or something that, that has a profession that, that can be related to. And that can a person really be, you know, there is a limited amount of space for people who want to be a top comedian or a top dancer. But there is a lot of space for creative businesses. Mm-hmm. But it's it's risky. It's risky because, but it's so is what you and I are doing. Yeah, true. You and I started businesses and it, it was risky and it was scary. Um, and we didn't know for sure if it was going to work. True, true. I mean, I would add to that. It's interesting what you, when you were mentioning about the guy who the chocolatier that started teaching because basically it leveled up in a different way his business with me I started my business from a place of just wanting to help people which sounds very very philosophical but because I have such a passion for careers it stemmed from writing and it stemmed from the extension of people then asking for help when I was talking about things like bullying at work and things like that so if you talk about something and you're vulnerable and you share the things that you're passionate about, Marty, you almost kind of full circle attract things into your life and into your career. I mean, that's what I believe. And I see that with my clients as well. Yes. And I think what you're hitting at, and it it works in careers, it works in building businesses, the more authentic you can be and the more real person that you can be, you will attract people. And um, I had a, a dinner with four other people probably 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and we were sitting around, we didn't know each other very well. We went around the table and said, well, what is it that you want to do? And I said, the one thing I want more than anything in the world is to find my voice and be able to express myself in a genuine and authentic manner. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this experience many times because it wasn't something that just happened all at once. Mm. It's easy to tell somebody in an interview, just be yourself, but you have to work at it and you have to figure out like, how, you know, do I do deep breathing beforehand? You know, how do I build my confidence? How do I do the proper prep? What are the words that I should use to answer questions? Should I be pausing more so that I'm not talking too fast? There's a lot of ways to come across as more authentic. And it just, it takes time um, to learn that. People that are looking for work will find it more so if they are themselves. Yeah, definitely. And I do think, because, you know, I work with young people and adults, I see a contrast sometimes, Marty, because I've been working with young people for a long time. A lot of the young people when I started out 15 years ago, were not as reflective as a lot of the younger people I meet now. They're a lot more self-aware. They take a lot more time to develop certain things. And I think that self-development and that self-awareness comes through the experiences that you have access to. Like a lot of the young people who I know who are doing sports and certain activities just have a a lot more insights, or even if they've had struggles. 
um, have a lot more insights into life. So it's, it's quite interesting what you're saying there. One of the things that I wanted to ask you kind of next a little bit is because, you know, you describe yourself and you've already mentioned it, Marty, as this workplace futurist, which I love, by the way. What do you think has shifted the most since the pandemic in 2020? And what do you feel will continue to change in the future of work in the next four to five years? The dramatic shift, and it's such an obvious term, is flexibility is assumed rather than carefully asking permission for it. I give a lot of credit to the young people prior to the pandemic that said, oh no, this won't do. These schedules are crazy. I can't raise children like this. If you expect me to be commuting three hours a day, I can't do this. And so flexibility was not just requested, it started to be a demand prior to the pandemic. And I think the pandemic put us in a situation where hybrid is with us forever. We have the frontline workers and then we have the office workers. Frontline's a different discussion, but there's a discussion around that as well. But let's just stick with the office workers right now is that if organizations are uh, flexible, they're actually not just being flexible, they're actually being more respectful, they're being more caring about well-being, they're, they're being more responsible in raising the children of the next generation. Because who the heck is going to raise the children if the parents are always commuting to work? I mean, that's kind of, that's what, what happened in some of the, you know, ages before us, you know, kids that came home from school and, you know, they didn't have the kind of flexible, their parents didn't have flexibility to even, you know, come to a soccer game. Definitely. I, I definitely do think flexibility is a big theme. One of the things that I've been seeing, I don't know if you've seen this as well, Marty, is this need for speaking up at work. And what I mean by that is a few of the themes that have come up when I'm speaking to clients quite a lot is this issue around people pleasing and being a yes person and from people now saying actually because the flexibility has come up there's another issue at work that I want to talk about with regards to my workload so I'm seeing kind of ripple effects from the flexibility I don't know if you see that as well yeah I I think this speaking up part of it's how children have been raised too you know there was a time when children were supposed to be more quiet and um, behaving and all that sort of thing. And, and while that is good in certain situations, I think individual expression is important and advocating for your own needs. Yeah. Um, and I think um, I've learned, um, I come from a very large family, lots of nieces and nephews, and I really pay close attention to what people are doing, whether they're playing video games or expressing themselves in a certain way. I pay attention to it because these are the trends that are impacting our workplace. You know, the, the future, if, if you ask me one thing that's going to impact the workplace the most via what um, young people are bringing to the table here, and when I say young, 10, 12 years old, is this idea of growing up with devices and headsets, our um, virtual reality equation is going to be a pair of glasses. No, no longer will it be these big funky headsets. And that is the way that you know, they started out with gaming 
but where this is taking us to in the metaverse, let's call it the workverse, Mm -hmm. is our working and our training and the way that we learn how to do things is going to be done in augmented reality and virtual reality. You can't learn to fly a plane without simulations. You can't do the bulk of your practicing at the beginning flying a real plane. You've got, you've got to learn how to do that. Now, that's a mechanical thing, but there's all kinds of learning and development and well-being exercises that are happening in virtual reality right now. And the, the trend that made it so is gaming. Gaming has made the metaverse possible. It's instigated the metaverse. And I'm not a person who plays a lot of games. I Yeah, I got hooked on Candy Crush uh, several years ago. That was just on the 2D experience. I've not you know done the whole gaming and virtual reality, but I understand the worlds and the verses is that are happening now. And I think a lot of parents might not even realize how immersed the younger people are that are coming up. And it is it is affecting our workplace. It's interesting that you mentioned that because it's just made me think of a couple of examples of some of the things that young people have said to me because there's an interest in technology. There's an interest in building things like from scratch. There was a young man who I saw who basically he said to me during the pandemic, he built a computer, right, which on the surface doesn't seem that complex for people who are into engineering and things like that. But for me, when I was in school in the 90s, we weren't looking at things like that because we didn't have devices, we didn't have the level of technology that there is now. And I think it's interesting what you said about it's it's affecting the workplace because companies like TikTok are promoting certain ways of of using technology in a different way in the metaverse. I mean, do, do you think that work will be much more centered solely around technology or will you know, we'll be more technology reliant because we're already so reliant on our phones, aren't we? That's a really good example, Selma, this, this idea of the phones. Like how many times do we look at our devices per day? It's probably a couple hundred. Yeah. I don't know the exact number, but there is a number out there. There is an average. And so it's become an extension of our arms and our brains. Mm-hmm. It's um, in one of my groups we call it the the second brain. Mm-hmm. And so it it has become our second brain, and it's become so comfortable to us we we can't imagine life without it. Uh, but to answer your question, is it going to be you know you didn't use the word, but let's just use the word dominate. Will it be more overwhelmingly um, pervasive in the workplace or Will it be something that I think it will be? I think hybrid is the word of the day. I think it's going to be hybrid. I think there are times when learning and engaging with people in person is critically important. And I think that there's going to be other creative opportunities to blend and interact with with people globally, just like we're doing in Zoom right now. But we're going to do it in the metaverse and we're not going to have to worry about the makeup we put on to to be in front of a camera. And it's it's going to make sense. It might not make sense now. Mm. However, if you haven't been to multiple presentations in the metaverse, 
or done um, team building exercises in the metaverse, I would challenge anybody who's listening is to partake in one of these places like Spatial.io, Verbella. I mean, there's there's like lots and lots and lots of platforms and experience them in, in 2D on your desktop and go see what's happening there because there's a ton of creativity and, and travel and collaborative exercises that are happening right in that realm, just like they would in Zoom uh, because there are, you know, there's, only so much we can do in real life in yeah. person. I love it. And to the extent that I can, when I travel, I try to meet with people um, when uh, people that come through Chicago, which is where I live, they'll, they'll say, I just met two people recently, uh, one from Colorado, one from California. And they said, oh, you know, we're going to be in this week. So we all had breakfast together. And it was so nice to meet someone that was in my um, my book club that we've been talking for uh, two years already. It's a futurist book club. I, I really, really love that. Thank you for sharing that. It was really, really interesting. One of the things that I really wanted to ask you, Marty, kind of moving on a little bit, is I feel that in order for us to achieve career happiness, our health is really, really important and prioritizing our health. I know when you were younger and you had this on your website that you had scoliosis and you've spoken about how this helped you to be flexible and adapt to situations. I attract a lot of clients who have ongoing health issues. I've seen the positive impact this has had on their mindset rather than the negative. What would you say to a listener who feels their health is stopping them from pursuing their ultimate career happiness? Well, I would say I've talked to people that, you know, that have MS. I've talked to people that have uh, really intense sciatica um, in, in that have um, physical mobilities. Um, uh, there was a person I spoke with that um, has a C CP, cerebral palsy. Um, I worked with him and I'm happy to say that he's working in marketing now. And um, he came to, to one of my sessions and I couldn't understand him as well, right? Because, you know, there's a certain level of language that happens online and then he types some things in. And we had a great conversation online and he was just a few years out of college. So I too have worked with different people and scoliosis. I still have a crooked spine, but I'll, I'll say that it's less crooked now than it was. And you're right. People that have setbacks and take them as a challenge to turn it around um, do well, but it doesn't mean that they don't go to the depths of despair yes. first. Um, before doing that. Um, and so so the question you asked me, Soma, is what do you tell people who feel that their limitations are holding them back? And I would say to that, figure out what it is that you can do within the constraints. In my particular case, I wore a brace for, for three and a half years. I couldn't move very well. I, you know, I couldn't play sports or certain things I couldn't do. Um, so I focused and I was young. I wasn't in the career mode then, but I actually focused on studying and I, I got in with the honors kids and we got in with like with a more geeky crowd uh, that accepted me with all of my hardware, you know, of metal that was all on top of me uh, that was trying to straighten my spine. And I, I figured out 
my own way in that world. Now, I had the case where the brace did come off. A person who has an affliction that is that, that happens forever has to accommodate that. And I, I would go back to what is it that what you can do within the constraints of your condition, whether it's stomach, back, 70% of people in the world have some sort of back issues. So number one, you are not alone. Everybody has something. And if they are feeling really great and doing great, they are temporarily abled. Everybody uh, is, to some degree, have some deficits that they're dealing with. But I would say, figure out what you can do. So if you have something that mobility is an issue, for instance, there's a lot of remote work options. There's a lot of hybrid options, um, for instance. Um, I read somewhere that a lot of people that were unable to commute for work during uh, COVID, a lot of people that didn't have job opportunities before got job opportunities. So that's that's a case of like, okay, these are the skills that are needed for the role. And they didn't even have to tell their employer. I I would say we all have something. And if you need to adapt to it, I know some mothers talk about they work better in two hour increments yeah, and then taking off time. So that, so that's a thing. That's a scheduling request, not feeling well. You've talked about this, you know, on, on LinkedIn, you know, whether it be migraines, whatever affliction that you have, that stops you in your tracks. Yeah, yeah. Dealing with it and, and letting people know that this is an issue. I had a, a VP of engineering in a former job and he used to get horrible migraines. And um, he was supposed to be accompanying me to Silicon Valley to a partner. We were negotiating a deal and he was supposed to be accompanying me. I really relied on him. I was in charge of marketing. He was in charge of engineering. Luckily, I also had a business development uh, person with me. And that morning, we were at the airport. And he says, sorry, not going to be there. And this is back when it was important for people to be there. Well, you know what? In the end, it worked out. He did the meeting remote, you know, on a teleconference call. It wasn't even Zoom back then on a teleconference call. We, we still inked the deal. And it, it occurred to me, um, I did find out from him later, much later in, in a, a one-on-one is he doesn't like to fly. So in addition to him having these severe migraines, he just didn't like to fly. Is that something that an employer can live with or not live with? This guy was a genius. Mm-hmm. You know, so his, his time and energy were extremely valuable to me and everyone around him. So I, I, I've tried to sprinkle in a couple examples there. Um, I, I hope I've, I've answered that question. No, 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 no. You've answered it really well. And you made me reflect on how things have, have changed a lot in the last few decades. Because my, my dad, just to share, and I speak about my dad on the podcast, my late dad, he was a barrister, Monty. He uh, became paralyzed towards the end of his life. He had an accident. And... He, um, because he was a solicitor, was sitting at home and then, you know, sadly he passed away within about two years. But work was very important to my dad. Like he loved, he loved his work. He loved being a solicitor. He loved helping people. And um, I've had discussions with people before about how 
you know, remote working and working in different ways has, has helped people. But sometimes if you've got someone who really enjoys their work and feels constrained, you can really see how things have shifted so much in the last three decades. Like I can see a lot of shifts. So for me, you answered it really, really well, but also it's about the mental health aspect as well, not just the physical aspect, like things like anxiety and other things like depression. And when, you know, women go through postnatal depression and things like that, that employers, if they're working with their teams in the right way and people are able to voice that, because sometimes in some workplaces, you don't have the support, do you? And that, that can be a challenge as well. Absolutely. Um, at least we're talking about it now. Mm. You and I are on a podcast right now and we're talking about mental health and it's talked about much more freely. Um, mm. And that from personal experience, I will say this over uh, during COVID where I, it, you know, we were all prevented from traveling. Yeah. I got more sleep than I've ever gotten in my entire career and it makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, I like, I beam when I wake up because mm. I feel rested and it has a, a cumulative effect. Oh, yeah. so it has a cumulative effect on well being. Um, I integrate, uh, I make certain that there's exercise most days because I can. When I used to do, you know, longer days with the jobs as well as uh, the commute. So I, you know, in Chicago, the traffic is pretty intense. It was typical 60 to 90 minutes each way. Oh, wow. For the commute. And because if you're living in the city and you're commuting to a northern suburb where some of these companies were located, it would take that long. So it's, I, I was gone 12 hours, you know, mm-hmm. and that was just my life. But I, I look back at that. And I just think that really wasn't healthy. And I know I was yeah. very stressed. You go get your hair done and your, your, you know, your hairstylist says, what's happening to you? Your hair is like, your hair is hurting. <laughs> your hair is hurting. It's like your hair even feels the effects of anxiety hmm. yeah, um, and stress. No, d- definitely. I mean, yeah, we are talking about it. And this month is Mental Health Awareness Month as well. And I do think it's important to have these kind of conversations, Marty. But um, it's interesting you mentioned sleep because I did an episode on my podcast, a solo episode about sleep, because I see my clients who aren't sleeping, having all those things that you mentioned around, you know, stress, burnout, everything and it it can be very easy to um, slip into these patterns thank you so much for kind of talking about agile careers and everything that you do Amati where can people kind of connect with you and reach out and all of that kind of stuff well there's just two places are the best because they are the avenues to everything else the one is martyconstant.com. That's M-A-R-T-I-K-O-N-S-T-A-N-T.com. You can find me there. And then also I'm very active on LinkedIn and I'm the only Marty Constant in the world. So if you do a search for me, you'll find me. And I'm an open networker on that. And I have a, um, a newsletter within LinkedIn. It's part of the, news, uh, the LinkedIn platform. I have about 30,000 subscribers to Agility Think. 
um, the the newsletter uh, for that, where I talk about the future and I talk about careers and um, you know, I, I interview resume people and, you know, people, uh, you know, get input from people like you um, to, to put into some of my content on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'll put all of those details in the show notes as well. And I just really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Career Happiness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media or with somebody you know it will make a significant difference to. And remember, if you haven't already, please take some time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much.